Moving is kind of a weird experience. I haven't had to move in maybe six years, so I've gotten really comfortable. And I've come to kind of realize it's extremely easy to become a hoarder of some kind, you know? Like, that is such an easy tendency just to happen, because you have space. So you're just like, hey, I bought you this shirt. Great. I will never wear this, but whatever. I'll hang it up in this closet. Five years later, you still have it. You have not worn it, and it just keeps happening like that. I think that's part of it, is just gifts that you won't use, and you can't, there's like a social contract. You're not allowed to say that. So you just kind of keep acquiring things, and eventually you kind of forget where it's where it came from originally, and you just realize you have a bunch of stickers. Like that's that's the that's been the thing that this past week has unearthed is I have tons of stickers. Not like get glue stickers because those I sought out for some silly reason, like promotional stickers for products, like CIBC stickers. Like that's a bank up here in Canada. Like they just had promotional stickers called Smart Save or whatever. And even even then, even finding them now, years later, I didn't throw them away. I put them in a sticker album. And now I have a sticker album. Like, I kept that. I, I don't know. It's like a weird problem. Like, if you get something, you're supposed to use it, even if it's useless, in a way, you know? Like, that that's dangerous thing that can happen at conventions. Like, people will just be handing you buttons. Like, I don't know what to do with buttons. I had a Marvel Heroes button. I've heard that game's okay. I don't know what I'm going to do with a button. So... It ended up in the garbage, like a keychain for a radio station, like just stuff, like just little trinkets that aren't entirely useless, so you think you might need it, so you end up putting it in a tin or a box somewhere, and yeah, just the past week has just revealed, like, dude, you, that stuff adds up, like, gradually over time, and then that, you know, that's how people, that's how it happens, like, if that went unchecked for, like, 30 years, like, imagine you stayed in the same house for 30 years, and you kept kind of just getting things. Eventually, it's like, wow, this guy's an insane keychain collector. And it's just like, I didn't mean for this to happen. It just sort of happened. And I don't even use keys that often. Like, that's the other thing. Keys. I was carrying around keys that I don't even use anymore. Like, keys for a car I haven't driven in six months. It's crazy. Anyway, let's try to get onto some track here. Um, I mentioned video game conventions. This is ostensibly a podcast about video games. I'm guessing you've already figured this out, and we did kind of tease this last week. It is just Nathan this week. Uh, John is off in America doing important video business. Uh, Sean is in Japan eating tons of Kit Kat bars. Uh, check him out on Twitter to follow up on all that business. He's been kind of updating everybody on the latest and greatest in Japanese snacks. Uh, green tea flavor. That looked interesting. I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff over there. Uh, yeah. I think it's just Sean Booker on Twitter, so, like, pretty sure. It used to be Galaxy Tonight or something, but, anyway, whatever. Just follow the Top Down Perspective uh, podcast Twitter, and you'll you'll be able to find it. And that's, in fact, what this show is. It's Top Down Perspective. May 16th is the day I'm recording this. I'm not going to keep too much of your time. I'm not going to take up too much. Like, I decided to go with the one-man show just because there was a one-man podcast uh, Sean and I know are fans of. It's featuring one Matthew Rory on... Uh, Screen.com is a movie website. Periodically, he wouldn't have a guest, and he would just talk for like an hour, and it was kind of amazing. Uh, I cannot promise the same awkward charm, but I will attempt to sustain some semblance of order and like just talk through some stuff that happened this past week concerning primarily video games and whatnot. 
And yeah, I guess I'll just start with things I've been playing. Obviously, um, I I gave Candy Box another try. I, I like I will say what happened last week is I closed the browser at some point absentmindedly, and the save system like it gave me a special code word for me to recover my save, but you need a specific URL or something, and I didn't really get how that worked or whatever. Like I didn't write that part down, so I I, I basically lost my game. So then I started over. With the equipped with the knowledge this time that the more candy you eat, the higher HP you have, which changes everything. And I don't know how I didn't put two and two together on that. Like I think it's just like everything's subdivided into like different menus. So you eat a bunch of candy, and like on the surface it seems like nothing's happened, but then if you go in the quests like screen, you'll see that oh that number went up. But I didn't correlate the two things. You know, like I didn't do one right after the other like in quick succession or something I just never figured that out so I was I was planning to kind of go through it again just armed with that knowledge and hopefully be able to get through some of the later levels and stuff but it just ended up inadvertently absentmindedly closing it again so yeah that game's still neat but I guess just like that like the wind was sucked out of the sails you know like having gotten so far and then having it just all disappear is really, really discouraging. Kind of the same thing that happened with my Skyrim run. Like, I was, like, 100 hours in on Skyrim, 360 dies. You try to get pick it up on PC a couple weeks later, but, you know, you've already done some of the quests, and, like, it ended up being, like, I just basically quit playing that game. Like, I revisited it, but never got in as deep as I did that one time. So that kind of killed that momentum. So... Yeah, then the other game I played this week was Metro 2033, which seems pretty clear. Like, that is because the sequel just came out, um, Metro Last Light, and a lot of people are talking about it. Like, generally good feedback is what I'm hearing, despite there's some controversy around DLC for the game. I guess, like, the most nuanced and interesting difficulty setting the game has, Ranger Mode, was kind of behind a paywall for $5, which... I've heard the excuses apparently retailers, and I'm thinking that probably just means EB Games slash GameStop, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know that for sure. Maybe I'm just bitter because I used to work for them. Point is, retailers were kind of like, yo, dude, you need some sort of exclusive thing. You need some sort of DLC for this game. And Deep Silver, which is now the publisher, what with the whole THQ thing, uh, apparently put that behind the, the paywall, like the difficulty mode, which... There's some history there. I guess the difficulty, like the Ranger difficulty, was $5 in the original Metro, but that's because it came out like months later. They kind of like added it to the game. Here it's kind of less excusable, so it's it's sort of taking its toll on some reviews here and there. People are kind of, uh, like I know Jim Sterling kind of chose to review as-is default package, which probably lowered the score a little bit maybe. Like conceivably he gave it a 7 out of 10. But even then, like, it's a very positive review in general, and, like, it's such a weird, like, uh, you know, I played the first one, and I actually have a little bit of history with Metro 2033. I I used to work at Blockbuster Video, um, but that location ended up closing, but that was one of the last games I rented before there was kind of like a just, no, dudes, you need to return all the games that you've had out, you need to return them right now. Like, it was like that and, like, Fight Night Champion or something. I think that's a game. Some, I don't know, it was, it was one of the more recent Fight Night games. Like, there was a couple games I rented just to kind of check them out, and then the call came that, no, employee rentals are over, this store is shutting down, return everything. So I only got to see the first little bit, like maybe the first hour or something. Um, and then, of course, THQ did the Humble Bundle 
some months ago, and I acquired the PC version there, so I decided, hey, I'll, I'll just check this out, just in light of everyone kind of talking about the series, and whatever, like, well, I guess now it's a series, two games. Um, it's pretty neat, like, the, you know, first-person shooter, very, very linear, like, uh, it's, it's gotten some comparisons to kind of Bioshock in terms of, like, or, I guess, Bioshock 2 Infinite kind of, like, very scripted campaign, but with, like, some kind of explorable side paths and stuff. The main thing people seem to really dwell on is the game is from the Ukraine, and it's centered on, like, it's an adaptation of a Russian book about a post-apocalyptic kind of world. And it has a very kind of other feel to it, seems to be, like, the main quality a lot of people highlight about it. Like, it doesn't quite feel like it was developed to be a big blockbuster international, like, shooter hit. It's, like, a very Russian-tinged game, which is... I guess the most interesting expression of that I've seen in my couple hours with 2033 is just the mechanics of it. Like, they they have a certain tactile feel to some of the equipment you use. Like, there's a generator you need for your flashlight, but it'll kind of wind down as you're using it. So you need to kind of hold down the right thumbstick to make a, a charging minigame essentially come up, and then you're just kind of pumping this primer handle with the right trigger to kind of rev up your generator again. And there's also, like, you know, like, the gas mask is another thing, and it kind of really takes over your HUD. And I, I'm playing on Ranger Easy difficulty, which is, I guess, some of the cool aspects of Ranger mode, but in an easier kind of... I'm, I'm assuming there's more equipment and stuff lying around, like more bullets and things to kind of make it an easier game, because it's, it's supposed to be pretty extreme on Ranger normal, and I just, I've never even seen the story, so I wasn't ready for that yet. Um, but that kind of affects the amount of HUD stuff you have. Like, there's a lot less HUD elements in Ranger mode, is my understanding, and it it shows. Like, it's a pretty immersive experience once you're in there. Um, the one point of comparison I have is in Condemned 2, Bloodshot, there's a sequence where you're in, like, a burning factory, and you have a kind of a gas mask on, and it definitely kind of takes over your HUD, like, kind of surrounds it, frames it. And then there's, like, breathing and smoke. Like, there's, like, a... Yeah, you hear heavy breathing, there's, like, smoke and stuff kind of obscuring your vision. And this just kind of has that, but as a mechanic. Like, you pop up, pop on the gas mask whenever you need to, I guess. And the one... The thing with that, though, that's kind of gotten me stuck, like, I'm about two and a half hours in, I just kind of painted myself into a corner in this one outdoor area. Um, you need gas mask filters in order to keep going. And that seems to almost be kind of like a weird, stressful scavenger hunt thing where you're like, you have X amount of time to find a new filter before you just die. And I'm out on the surface kind of scrounging around, and I, I seem to have kind of not gone fast enough, maybe, through the area. So, like, I'm nowhere near a filter, and I'm also kind of on my own, and I'm really low on time. So, like, the checkpoint, I don't have enough time to really find anything before I die. Um... I think I had, like, when I quit out of that, I'm pretty sure the only checkpoints that really stay after quitting the game are, like, chapter breaks, so I'm probably going to have to start that whole sequence again, which would be my third time doing it. It's kind of maybe worn, like, ruined the momentum a bit. Like, I, I was really digging it, but I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll probably revisit it. Like, I'm definitely feeling a lot of the things the game does. Like, it, you know, the bullet economy thing is a, pe a thing a lot of people talk about. The currency in the game is bullets, and you can either shoot them or spend them to get bad bullets, but also better guns and stuff. 
I've only bought one so far, a silenced pistol, but it's it's pretty neat. Like, I, I don't know. It just has a lot of kind of good first-person mechanics in it, like just like down the sights aiming, or like left thumbstick in to run. Like, it just has stuff you are used to already, but then it kind of adds this extra layer of like you having to manage your inventory a little bit differently or kind of... Or there's another chart like charging gun that you need to kind of pump up the pressure in this pellet shooting magnetic pulse thing. I only used it once. But yeah, I don't know. The result is some really tense firefights and stuff that are pretty cool. And it I'm curious, like it's an adaptation of a book, like I'm wondering kinda how close does this follow the book. Apparently the author is still involved in some sense in these adaptations. And I th- I think the Bombcast was saying like copies of the book actually comes with codes with for the game, so they're definitely like you know not ashamed of their the game adaptation or their literary origins or anything like it's all very nice co-marketing thing. It's kind of neat. I don't know. Like I might end up reading the book. I've been reading a lot more books lately, but I, I'm intrigued by the game. I I want to check out the new one as well at some point. But thing is, like full transparency, like my PC is barely up to the task of playing. Metro 2033 in a pleasing manner like it runs but you can kind of tell it's like chugging a bit it's not the best textures there and especially considering like I'm hearing a lot of chatter that the Metro games are some of the best looking games out there it's like oh well I'm not getting that in this kind of you know lower lower five version I'm playing right now so I might wait until after the move and play it on a better computer or something because right now I'm just kind of not getting the most out of it, I think. But it's it's genu- genu- genuinely an interesting game. Although, yeah, there's been some people kind of criticizing people fawning over it too much, though, because, like, I mean, it is still a linear first-person shooter in a lot of ways. Like, it, it has an extra level of interesting mechanical stuff in it, but on its face, it's still a pretty conventional video game. But it, it that, that sounds kind of snarky in its own way. You know, like, I'm getting snarky with snarky people. That's that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just... I don't know. There's a lot of mixed opinions being expressed right now about the Metro games, and I'm kind of curious. Like, I just want to see firsthand what everyone's talking about right now and whatever. So, yeah, I went back to the that older game. Uh, 4A Games, I guess, is the developer? I don't know. I'm also kind of in a weird spot where a lot of stuff has already moved out of here. So, like, I initially... Um, like, I had an evening free tonight, I was just like, alright, I'm gonna play some video games. I headed out to the living room to play some Uncharted 3, because I just wanted to kind of get my adventure in on, and, oh yeah, my PlayStation games are gone. Not the PlayStation, it's still here, but all my games are at the new house, so that was not well thought through. So Steam Library came to the rescue, and that's that's how I ended up playing that. I, I don't know, I just kind of wanted a shooter of some kind, and I hadn't check that one out in a while, and I don't know. Oh yeah, also totally mixed opinions on whether the shooting is good in Metro 2033. Like, some reviews are saying, oh, they finally fixed it in Last Light, but others are just like, oh man, that great gunplay you remember from the original? It's back. So, it's kind of weird. I I guess the reviews, I'm just for citation, I guess. Uh, I've read Tom Chick's review over at Quarter to Three, Patrick Klepik's at Giant Bomb, and Jim Sterling's on Destructoids. So those are kind of the opinions I've been looking at on that game. Um, but yeah, uh, and I guess Sean messaged me, uh, he's been playing Little Inferno, which I guess I thought he played it already, but I guess that was just John and I talking about it, so he he says it's weird, or bizarre, might have been, the word might have been bizarre, but anyway, um, 
that that is the update from out there. I'm not sure what John's working on, but uh, I guess kind of with you know John's down there recording videos, kind of pertaining directly to that is the first news story of the week, which is pretty big deal. Like this is definitely causing a lot of commotion and conversation on the internet right now. Um, specifically, it re involves Let's Play uh, videos. Nintendo started content IDing, ID matching uh, Nintendo-themed Let's Plays, I guess. Like, any kind of online video of one of their games that is beyond a certain length of time, they have set it up so that they're not actually shutting down the videos, but they are claiming that they have ownership over it, and they are now getting that ad revenue. Seems to be what's going on. So, like, uh, Nintendo ads will be playing on these videos now. Um, it was Zach Scott Games who reported this on Reddit. This is the first place I saw it. Um, he, he's apparently a pretty prominent Let's Play guy. He was playing some Luigi's Mansion, uh, the new one. Um, and he kind of laid down like how he felt about this and what the impact would be on this. And like A lot of Let's Players are basically saying, like, you know, I, I'm not... You know, like, thanks for... like I go, Okay, I'm not... 100% qualified to summarize the thoughts. It seems to be a lot of the thoughts are we are big fans of Nintendo. All we're really doing is kind of expressing that enthusiasm for Nintendo games. And Nintendo's kind of getting a lot of PR out of it. You know, like they're getting a lot of exposure from all these videos. But then the question kind of comes in is like, but, you know, it is Nintendo's intellectual property, so someone else is making money off of that. Is that right? I don't know. I've honestly seen both sides of the story expressed on tw my Twitter feed and such, and it's kind of it's kind of weird to see this rift form between people who are into video games talking about this. Like, I guess personally, I'm trying to th I'm trying to think where I kind of stand on this. Like, I guess yeah, I view it as once you've recorded a video, like anyone playing a video game, it's a totally different experience every time out. Ideally, right? So. Someone playing Luigi's Mansion could have a totally different experience than someone else. Like, to some extent, you know, like, they, they fight better in one instance. They don't find all the treasure or something. Like, there's a totally changing element to video games. It's not quite like a movie. You know, like, it's not like they put a movie up on YouTube and then it's the same to everybody. So they're effectively stealing it. It's like, no, this is footage of an activity in a way. Like, that... Like, I was trying to kind of compare it in my head to, like, other games that aren't video games. Like, it would be kind of like, you know, if any time someone is playing football on their own, the guy, like, the NFL wants a piece of that for some reason. It's just like, well, no, you make football, like, you're big football people, but it's just a, a game. You know, like, Nintendo made Mario Kart, but that doesn't kind of make every race that happens, like, governed by them in some way. It's just like, oh, well, now that people have seen that race, they won't want to play the game because they've seen the race. It's like, well, no, ideally they would want to race themselves, right? Like, you see people who are way better than you playing football, maybe at some point you'll want to go out and buy football and go play. You're not content with just sitting on the couch watching it, necessarily. But that's up for debate, I guess. Like, a lot of people are kind of like, well, no, if they see the game, maybe they won't want to play it. You know, like, th that's probably where Nintendo's head is at. Their their take on it, like, there was a statement going around from Nintendo kind of with their take on the situation. They were definitely trying to spin it as, like, no, we're actually doing a really good, generous thing. Like, unlike other people, we're not shutting down the videos. 
we're just kind of putting our ads on them, which is our right to do, and we're still allowing these videos to exist. But without the financial kind of stimulus or like, you know, without that ad revenue, some Let's Play people won't be able to make videos anymore about like they or at the very least, they will obviously not focus on Nintendo titles because they're less lucrative. So it's like, well, I would want to be playing a Nintendo game, but now I'm actively hurting my bottom line by doing that. So instead, I'm going to play like some indie game like a, a lot of small publishers have been kind of hopping on board this controversy and kind of, like I saw Devolver Digital they released Hotline Miami they were tweeting like hey any of our games are free for let's plays man you can come on down check them out doesn't matter like that was paraphrased obviously so Hotline Miami let's plays are going to start spreading around I I'm not sure but a lot of people are looking at this as uh and I guess I am as well this does seem like a short-sighted like thing to do on Nintendo's part like they're not really looking at the bigger picture on this. Like, as someone was kind of breaking it down, it's like, the most profitable Let's Players out there pulling down maybe a couple hundred thousand, you know, like, at a year. But the amount of kind of, like, ex you know, enthusiasm they're expressing for Nintendo products and kind of the amount of exposure they're giving these titles, like, how much more fun does Mario Party look when you have, like, four friends playing it? and you get to see video evidence of those people playing and having a good time. Like, it's like, oh, well, I should probably play that. Even if Mario Party is not the greatest, you can see kind of an example of people having fun with it makes you want to check it out. It's sort of a weird double standard. In, like, I mean, some video game websites, like, specifically one I frequent, Giant Bomb, plays pretty, they do pretty extensive video coverage of these video games. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, obviously, I guess their business model isn't as dependent on YouTube ad revenue, so maybe they're maybe they're also affected by this. But it just seems like, you know, they can play an 80-minute chunk of a video game, but because they're not committing to playing the whole thing, they're not necessarily falling into this category. Like Nintendo wasn't specific about what length of video warrants this and whatnot, but it's it's an interesting issue. I'm not. I don't know, like, people are like, is it like movie commentaries, or is it completely different? Because it's like, again, that subjective experience. Like, yeah, I, I would I would kind of argue it's, it's it's something else entirely. Like, it is not quite like movies, exactly. Like, video recording of a play session that has already happened is now its own kind of somewhat distinct thing. You know, like, someone else playing that Zelda dungeon on their own later isn't going to have the exact same experience that someone else did on a Let's Play. So, yeah, it's definitely an issue I kind of wish John was here for, because, like, this is more his ballpark. Like, this is kind of something he's more involved with. Uh, like, I mean, I guess Pixel, Pixel Response, like, Paul and I have done a few things like that, but it's not... I don't think we've done any Nintendo stuff, really. But, yeah, like, I mean, we've had kind of off-and-on discussions about the potential of playing some Super Mario Bros. U. And, I mean, we totally can still, it's just... You know, there, there's a certain lack of uh, incentive, I guess. But th at that point, it's also kind of gross that it's like, well, the only reason I was playing Nintendo games was because money. And it's just like, oh, well, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a troubling issue. It's definitely a weird conversation point that just started today as of this recording. Like, this is the first I've seen of this story was late last night. I guess it broke. Um, so that's kind of an ongoing thing. But yeah, I'll, I'll look for more opinions on that later. Um... That that's all I got for now on that. Again, like that was Zach Scott Games that kind of brought that to my attention. 
um, on his Reddit post, but th there's been a lot of other stories about it going around. Um, other on like news-related business, um, the online pass initiative, which was EA's way of kind of discouraging people from buying used games. Uh, I guess specifically it would be like you buy a new game and instead of just popping in the disc and being able to do everything, there's also a slip in there with a code that unlocks like multiplayer features. Or in Mass Effect's case, it was the Cerebrus Network stuff, um, which was like DLC, like kind of little chunks of DLC stuff that was only for people who bought the game new, ostensibly. Um, and yeah, I guess they were just saying, is failed as an initiative, like, the fans just did not like it, um, we we're gonna phase that out going forward, which, you know, the amount, like, I definitely heard a lot more people complaining about it than anything like, oh man, Zaid was such a cool character in Mass Effect 2, this is great, it was more just like, wait, why was this, like, this weird barrier for people, like, it's just, again, kind of making the user experience a bit less friendly, so it kind of makes sense that they got rid of this. Um, and then the final story here I have here is Sean brought this to my attention. He leaked the story in here. Uh, Capcom has embarked upon a really weird uh, promotional tactic for their new port of that... Re oh, what is it? Resident Evil Revelations? Uh, which is the... Yeah, that was a 3DS game that is now coming out 360 and stuff um, on the 24th of May. Uh, they filled a whole Olympic-sized swimming pool with just not real blood, obviously, but, like, they seemed to put a lot of effort into making this as gross as possible. Like, just, like, ch chunks of stuff, like bandages, fake blood clot business floating around in this water. But... I guess the thing is, there's prizes at the bottom, so you're supposed to sign up to swim in this giant tub of blood, which I'm looking at the stats here. It's apparently 55,000 gallons, the equivalent uh, volume of 11,327 people's worth of blood, which is, this is just story just reads so gross, but yeah, I, you know, hey, if you want some Resident Evil swag, sign up to go swim at this pool. Ah, uh, where is this thing? Let me just see. London's Olympic Stadium. Uh, near near there, this this thing apparently exists, and it's all zombie themed or whatever, zombie lifeguards and whatnot. And yeah, this weird promotional campaign. A uh, hundred people a day will be accepted. It is free tickets. Um, so if you really, really, really want to get in on this business, that's about to go down next week. So if you're in London or whatever, and you want to swim in a giant, gross puddle of bloody business for some Resident Evil swag. Um, go do that. Don't. Maybe don't. I don't know. It's just it's just weird. That's I I don't know. It's a minor story, but hey. Also, I guess, hey, that that Resident Evil game's coming out. So it worked. The guy's talking about it. Resident Evil Revelations port coming out May 24th. So was that good? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what to expect from that. Uh, but that's it. That's all I really had for news. There was probably some minor other stories floating around, but nothing that really jumped out as being that interesting. It's definitely that that whole YouTube thing is the biggest thing. I guess this was sort of tipped off by Sega was doing something sort of similar with oh like some pseudo somewhat obscure RPG series a few months ago. They were they were doing sort of a similar similar thing, but sh sh Shining something? Sorry, I probably shouldn't have even said anything because now people are really like, oh he doesn't know the game. I don't remember. It was some RPG I never played the Sega made. Sue me. Uh, moving on to the questions. Um, 
yeah, top down perspective at gmail.com, TDP podcast on Twitter, or uh, check out the Facebook page. Um, I guess thanks for the community for kind of participating in the Facebook thing a bit more. Uh, and yeah, I guess also on iTunes, if you want to give us a review or something, that'd be really cool. That apparently helps the rankings quite a bit. Uh, like one or two reviews will kind of create a lot more exposure for the podcast and stuff. So that'd be really neat. Um, and again, thanks for listening to the one man ramble show. Uh, I promise we're almost done. Uh, question in this one is from Junkie GS on Twitter. Uh, what's the most awkward experience either with a girl or in school or both? Um, I, you know, I get like with a girl in school or something. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think back to stuff. Like, I mean, you know, there's awkward date situations. I guess my one thing on that, like the one revelation I have on date situations that I'm not sure if this is a general rule, but for this part of Alberta, like my experiences, this seems to hold true. I got some advice from my parents that the man, you're, you know, if you're the guy, you're supposed to pay. That's supposed. To, that's the way it is. I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. That seems to create a lot of weird confusion, expectations, a lot of awkwardness. Like, that creates awkward situations if you go ahead and buy a movie ticket for somebody. Or, like, you know, oh, no, I got this, or something, and try to pay. It just, I don't know. It seems like it's like something that kind of maybe a little condescending or something. Like, it has not worked well for me. It just seems to create this weird social dynamic that is not cool. Like, it just... Be normal, just relax, just be yourself. It's just a normal social situation. Don't make it something weird. I think it's just different generations, man. My parents, that is some dated advice that they gave me in good confidence, but the world done changed around them, and they didn't realize that. So I don't know if that's necessarily true, though. Maybe it's a regional thing. Maybe, you know, person to person, but none of the people I have ever gone out on a date with were into that idea. It just caused weird problems. So, don't do that. Um, in terms of a specific story about awkwardness, for some reason, the one thing that I'm reminded of is I was, like, okay, grades 5 and 6 were not great times for me. Like, I changed schools, and there was a lot of kind of general, just, I don't know, I did not fit in well with that class. I was, like, way bigger than I was used to. It was just a weird time. For some reason, I, I don't remember what exactly caused it, but there was some sort of clothing malfunction. Like, I think a button popped on my shorts. So my shorts were kind of starting to, like, just go down. And I wasn't sure how to get to a bathroom to kind of change into my gym shorts or change my clothes. Um, or, like, just fix the situation without looking like, yo, he's, that kid is holding his pants up. Because I had to walk all the way from the playground area into the school, like into the school hall, and then like up two or three long hallways up to the bathroom area, and I was like, I don't know how to do this. So in my brain, I was like, I got the perfect excuse. I'm I had a pretty long t-shirt on, so I'm gonna pull down my t-shirt over kind of my waist area, and then just kind of clutch my stomach, as though I am having a horrible stomach problem, like as though my guts are just like just rot, like just horrible like I'm just having the worst stomach ache in the world and I was just kind of walking down the hallway like comically sticking my tongue out just being like oh like I was sick so I probably in the, like accidentally brought way more attention on myself than I initially intended but I was just kind of like walking down the hallway looking ridiculous and then you know eventually made it to the bathroom and was able to switch out things but it's just like 
I just felt as though the eyes of the school were watching me, and it was just like the most stressful, awkward business. Like, man, now now that I'm thinking about that specific time in my life, there was also a moment where I was in a school play and I screwed up my line, and that is one of the most like again hundreds of eyeballs looking at you. And the cast was trying to kind of improvise around me, and eventually I just kind of started over. Like, I was already halfway into a paragraph I was supposed to say, and instead of just rolling with it, I froze up entirely, and then just started the whole bit again. It was terrible. So, grade six, terrible times in terms of social awkwardness for me. Um, those are the ones that come to mind right now. I'm sure there's others, but uh, thanks for thanks for writing that. Um, that's all I have, really, for this week. So, about half an hour, a bit short, but again, it's just me, so I'm going to let you guys go. Thanks again for listening. Um, Game of the week, I'm going to go with Metro 2033, even though my experience was somewhat tarnished by poor computer stats and whatnot. uh, It was still an interesting game, um, the bit I played. So, yeah, that's pretty pretty freely available like it's I, I mean after the THQ closure and everything it's been pretty cheap generally I mean like there was the humble bundle and everything um but yeah I guess maybe like not really an announcement there's there's also a double fine humble bundle going on right now that includes access to some of the documentary stuff they've been doing um I, I thought I'm a bit behind on that stuff but I don't know that's just another little thing that's going on, on the internet PSA I guess um Oh, and that new Star Trek movie is not very good. I'm just going to tack that on there. I was really annoyed with it. And that might be a very specific thing to people. A lot, I, I can totally see a lot of people really enjoying it. It's like a fun, fast-paced movie and everything. Just the, the specific thing from Star Trek movies of the past that they decided to riff on just seems so unoriginal. And I was just... I could not believe the direction that movie went. It was just like... Oh, you just decided not to write your own screenplay at some point, huh? Like, it was just like, I could not deal with how, like, derivative that movie became in its final act. It was just gross. So, that's my take on it. Not, obviously not explaining what I mean, because it would totally spoil the movie, and it just came out. So, you know, if you want to see Benedict Cumberpatch and he's a cool villain and everything, or, like, Chris Pine and all them doing stuff, it's still pretty fun. I just... They are getting away from what Star Trek used to be about, and it's kind of making me sad. Like, it's just like, we made it into a fun roller coaster! It's like, this used to be a pseudo-philosophical show that had ideas, and now it's not so... Oh, J.J. Abrams, what are you doing? So, that, there you go. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, see you next week. Bye!